0: And today we have as our guest, Davida Perry, who is an attorney who advocates for people who are being discriminated against. Welcome, Davida.
1: Thank you, Tom. Very nice to be here.
0: Well, it's nice to have you. You know, at all times we all need advocates, that's for sure. But I would think that right now in this time that we're all living under this strange pandemic stress, that that might even be more important than ever. Where do you find help? Where do you get somebody who who can hear you care about you? You seem to be a person who does that. Tell me what it is you actually do and how you came to do it.
1: Uh, So uh, I'm a lawyer uh, admitted in New York. Um, I call myself a litigator or trial lawyer. And uh, when I first started out 35 years ago, I didn't really even know what employment law was. It wasn't wasn't a field back in the, in the mid-1980s, but in the early 1990s, uh, the field began to grow with the passage of a federal law and in New York, a New York State law, and then in New York City, a New York City human rights law. And these laws are very powerful, but they're limited. They're limited to protecting people who fall into particular categories, their age, their race, their gender, pregnancy as the years have gone by, sexual orientation and gender identity. The law is very smart and seems to know exactly who it is that needs protection. So uh, my dad founded the firm and he sort of got involved in employment law through one case that received a lot of media attention. And we found our work to be very meaningful and empowering and decided that this is all that we wanted to do. We wanted to be a voice for employees that really had lost their voice because they were being victimized. So um, whether it's age discrimination, sexual harassment, race discrimination, we are, you know, we don't discriminate in in who we help. It can be someone who makes minimum wage, someone who makes many millions of dollars, you know, working for a large Fortune 500 company. We're there for anybody that needs our
0: assistance. Well, that's quite wonderful. Because yeah, as you were talking, I'm thinking about the days that I worked in the corporate world and the idea of if I felt something was wrong the way I was being treated, the idea of doing anything about it, I, I, I think seems so far away. So it, you know, like they're in charge, they're, they're the bosses. And you know the best I can do is hope to get a raise, but not to get you know, seen. When people, how do people, not how do they find you, but when they come to you, how does one determine that they have been discriminated against?
1: So, you know, it's a, it's a conversation that we have because, you know, the, the employment relationship definitely in New York, but really throughout the rest of the country is what we call at will employment, so you know, that means that the employer can pretty much do whatever it wants. It's sort of like the wild, wild west out there. There's no police in the workplace. There's no, um, you know, ethics committee. It's really up to the employer to sort of do the right thing to a point, And that point is the human rights law. So, you know, what does that mean? It means you can be fired and your employer doesn't need to give you the reason. You can be fired because your employer doesn't like the color shirt you're wearing. Your employer can be fired. You can be fired because today's Tuesday. I mean, th- this is how broad at will employment is. And on the other end of that, if you don't like it, the law is telling you to leave. The courts don't want to get the courts don't want to become a human resource departments. Right. So we have to sort of ferry out through an interview or these days over, you know, some remote application because we sadly can't see people in person right now, Um, you know whether or not this is just a really bad workplace and part of this at-will employment concept, or whether what's happening is happening because the person falls into a protected category. You don't need a smoking gun. They don't need to find a memo on the boss's desk saying, let's get rid of all the people over 50, but there needs to be some connection to their being in a protected category. it's really through conversation, what written materials they have, that we kind of narrow down whether or not we can be helpful. But you know, there's a lot of fear obviously in coming forward and raising concerns like this. You feel like you're gonna be viewed as a complainer, you're gonna not be liked, you might lose your job, this is gonna follow you from job to job. There's there's lots of fear associated with making that bold and coming forward.
0: How can you reassure people who come to you? uh, Because you know they have that fear.
1: Right, Uh, I mean, retaliation, you know, being punished for complaining is also illegal. So there's that protection. They have us, we feel as though, you know, we are a a great support system. Um, We do bring, I think because of the family nature of the firm, we do bring sort of that family feeling to the whole relationship. Um, but, it, but it's tough. I mean, it, it, it's tough. We try, to, uh, we try to kind of hold hands with our clients and walk them through the process.
0: Now, it's, it's, it would be very important to have someone. I know also, I guess this is not easy to answer this question. I worked in advertising when I was in the corporate world and advertising was dependent upon how many accounts they had. And when they lost an account, usually there's a lot of billing then you knew that people were going to be fired. But how do you determine if that's, well, that's just normal business and you have to cut back or that somebody was being discriminated against?
1: Right, and we're seeing that a lot now during this pandemic. So yeah, I mean, that's fairly common in advertising. If you lose the account, the people that were associated with that account who had nothing else, who have nothing else to bill for might be let go, Um, you know. But I'd want to look at, so they lost this account. Did they reassign all the younger people and now all the older people are being let go? Or did they reassign all the men to other accounts and now all the women are being let go? So you're going to look at the sort of statistical data, but it's not uncommon for companies to use large layoffs to kind of scoop up a few people that they really don't want around for discriminatory reasons you know, and hope that this, Seemingly legitimate layoff is going to kind of cover it up.
0: Uh, Yeah, just hide it within, within.
1: Correct, correct. That's
0: true. And you you mentioned something that even today, it's hard, it's more, it's changed because you have, you're all working from home, or most people are working from home.
1: Right. And that doesn't mean you can't be discriminated against, even if you're working from home. (laughs) Right. Over Zoom, and, you know, people are still being fired for discriminatory reasons, so it uh the pandemic hasn't really put a hold on anything you know a lot of people have lost their jobs because companies have gone under or because companies have had to downsize so that's not necessarily gonna um fall into the area of discrimination but if they're downsizing and only choosing you know to get rid of older people or to get rid of women or to get rid of just men um, or a particular, you know, ethnic group, then that's going to be something that we're gonna to wanna to look at.
0: Well that would it would seem to me that one of the problems for women right now is to be having children too and having to you know help them homeschool them or watch them while they're doing online schooling and yet work at the same yes, time.
1: That's been a huge problem. Um, you know, the the we're fighting a case right now where A working mother has three children, two of whom are school age and one of whom is an infant. And she asked her employer to work remotely so she could take care of her kids. She could do her job remotely. And her boss said, no, you need to come to the workplace. So she was faced with making this really tough choice and had to give up her job because someone needs to be with her little kids. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been really hard on working moms. You know, no one thought we would ever be in a place where kids would be going to school remotely, but really difficult choices, really difficult choices.
0: Very hard. You know, in a case like that you mentioned, I'm not getting into particulars of your, of your case, how does one deal with that? I mean, in terms of you can, on one hand, maybe you can understand that the employer says, but you'll not be able to give attention to the account or something like that. But, the, you know, it is all clearly unfair because she could work at home or someone could work at home. Let's not go really was in particular. How, do, how does one disc- discriminate is the word I'm thinking make a discrimination between it was just a business decision, and it was a discriminatory decision.
1: Well, whenever an employee is asking to be accommodated in some way, there's supposed to be a conversation. The law calls it a cooperative dialogue. There's supposed to be a back and forth. They're not supposed to just say, no. You know, we assume you're going to have kids at home and you can't do it. They're supposed to sort of come to the table and ask the questions. Well, if you're supervising your kids, how are you going to be available to do your work? And there needs to be a conversation. In this particular case, they just, they just rejected her out of hand. Not every request is going to be reasonable. It needs to be a reasonable request. If, if you know, if her if her children require constant supervision every second of the day, then she's probably not going to be able to. Um, to do the job at home but in in this case she could she really could
0: right and then of course you also have to make somehow someone has to make a, a decision between who's reasonable I mean when um, we had uh, in advertising when we had a lot of accounts that we worked with and went to a, a new account came in and they, they signed it to you you're supposed to say you give him a hundred percent of your time which is ridiculous because obviously you couldn't so I mean right how and i never got fired for that but or, but still it, it could happen um, when they are yeah, well, couple, they're
1: being, i mean they are being unreasonable i mean because it's just not yeah, it's not he,
0: realistic it's yeah. totally unrealistic right yes and how obviously you've seen changes you've been doing this for a while obviously the, the laws have expanded to include many more things which is making it you know better for each human being to be covered but how else has it changed over the years? How, how, the, how I do mean, you see it? Uh,
1: one major change is that, you know, insurance companies are very smart and they started writing insurance for, for employer practices. So many companies are now insured. So when a claim is brought, you know, you're dealing with their insurance company, you're not dealing with them directly. There may be a different incentive to want to try to resolve things. That's certainly one change. You know, another change is that, you know, there are a lot of employment discrimination cases. Not every employer is as um, concerned about the bad publicity. Um, years ago, when, when these, were, these were claims that were more far and few between, the, the threat of there being some publicity may have been received differently by the employer. Uh, There's certainly more protected categories, you know, under the city law, which is very broad. We have sexual orientation and gender identity. We have caregiver status discrimination. We have laws that protect um, employees who have a criminal background. Um, So it's been very progressive here in New York City.
0: That's interesting. And is New York very different from other cities? in terms I know it's business to live in but i mean as terms of these laws
1: yeah i mean i don't i don't think many big cities have their own separate human rights law new york city might be actually the only city in the country that does that's i think right. most other um, states just have a, a state law or they rely on the federal law so we're very progressive here um, that's
0: wonderful how how do you 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 clearly enjoy this i don't know if that's the right word but you find something valuable in this because you've been doing it for a long time, not just yeah. to get paid, but but it sounds like for, to take care of people more. Is that part of your incentive to help people I and mean, take care of them?
1: Yeah, I mean, it just, the unfairness, the unfairness really hits me hard. Right. Um, you know, it, it, it really does. I mean, as a woman in what was for a very long time, and even today, it still is a male dominated field. I, I feel that sort of inequality on a day-to-day basis, but you know, a lot of the things that I've seen over the years would, um, you know, are, are quite alarming. And when you're able to help somebody sort of equalize the inequity or to gain power or to get their voice or to move on with their life, it's very empowering. So I feel that the work that we're doing is really, really important.
0: That's wonderful. It's wonderful to do important work that you feel is important and you care about. Yeah, and, uh, that the people that you're helping uh, need that help.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're they're They really, you know, sometimes when you have like a very toxic boss and they are just at you all day, every day, you start to doubt yourself and you doubt your competence and you doubt your abilities and you start to believe the terrible things that are being said about you. And when we're able to sort of right that wrong and give people back some of their identity, um, it it makes a difference that I feel really proud about.
0: Yes, well, from your point of view yourself, did you, because you would mention this, that you had this discrimination or there's been a change, I shouldn't use the word discrimination here, that more women are now in the field of law than there were. And you being a woman, did you feel that difficulty for yourself? You yeah, I mean,
1: I, um, I have been mistaken for the court reporter when I've shown up at <laughs> an opposing lawyer's office. They can't possibly think that I'm a lawyer. Um, I actually started using my middle initial because my name is spelled like David but with an A at the end because mm-hmm. people thought my name was David. And my middle initial was the A. So, you know, just the assumption that it's got to be a man. Uh, so I started using my middle initial so that they would see that the A is part of my first name. Um, yeah, they're, you know, walking into a conference room full of male attorneys and they sort of look at you like, oh, it's a woman is here. You know, it's that was much earlier on in my career. It's definitely gotten better. Um, but you hear stories. You definitely hear stories of... Uh, Things that you wouldn't expect
0: in the in the 21st century. Yes, well, the other thing about it is lawyers overall have not had great reputation. I mean, you talk about walking into that room with a bunch of male lawyers, and they're going to say, "Oh, you," you know. But now it's changing, and you're having women in the room. Are you also changing the rep, helping to change the reputation? Because here you are, somebody who is doing something that I don't necessarily think the public thinks of as lawyers to help. Lawyers are here, they're, they'll defend you when they'll get you, but they'll do it for a price and that's the whole reason, as opposed to having the heart, which I'm hearing from you, to help somebody. Is, is that what, do you see that to be true? I mean, do the, do the do more women coming in change it and soften the image of lawyers?
1: Maybe a little bit. I mean, you know, part of the discrimination against women lawyers is that when they're tough, you know, they're called the B word, you know, oh, they're, it's not really a compliment. They're criticized for being strong. So, you know, when you're in, when you do what I do and you're in court and you're in this sort of adversarial setting, you know, sometimes the perception of who you are and what you're doing is received in a negative way. Um, you know, I want to be soft with my clients and, and comfort them and help them. But I wanna be a tough opponent. I wanna fight for everything I can get from my clients. So sometimes that's given a bit of a negative name, but I certainly think more women in the field is a wonderful thing. And you know, getting some sort of pay equality and gender parity is a wonderful thing.
0: It, it would seem to be, I mean, I just, this is a little bit off subject, but I just noticed you know, as the news reports and stuff that the countries that have done the best with the the pandemic, who have taken care of their country are all led by women.
1: (laughs) Yes, i heard that too, yeah.
0: That that, that says something, you know, that we- It totally says
1: something.
0: Definitely a different approach. I mean, a caring approach. I mean, it seems to me, do you you feel, I guess that's my uh, thought, do you feel that in being strong for your clients in court, that you have to be less female, less woman, or more like a, an aggressive male or just be you? Can you just be no. you?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. No, I feel like I'm just being me. And I remember I, re- I remember when my dad was practicing, we were partners and he went and, and was meeting with a lawyer on a case that I guess that I handled and he came back and he was beaming. And I was like, dad, what, what happened at the meeting? And he said, you know, when the lawyer greeted me, he was so happy to see me because he said, you were such a hard nose, or so, you know, it was a funny little expression. Right. And he and he was such a proud father that I was being seen that way. But it's just really me. It's just really who I am. I don't feel like I'm putting on a persona, and I don't feel like any woman should try to fill some sort of a character role. Like just be your authentic self if you're. You know, if you're a tough cookie, then that's how you're going to, that that's how you're going to be. And it, it shouldn't be viewed as a, you know, the B word or, or something nasty.
0: Right. Or, or that you're trying to be like a man, which is, you know, yeah. what that gets thrown out sometimes. I know it did in the advertising world, yeah. except for the, it was all right to be in the creative department and drawing and, and making films, but being in the business side that was not considered womanly or something. So, like right, that.
1: exactly. Well, I think you know, women have made their place for themselves in the law, um, you know, so I-, I,
0: uh, I Yeah, and I think that the law is, if you start with what is the law about, it's to protect people, it's to help right. people. And the people who seem to be more adept at that, not at law, but at helping people are women more than men. I mean, men can yeah. do it and we need to encourage more men to help more people but, but it's certainly the women have the uh, advantage yeah. of being a mother, I suppose.
1: Maybe, yeah, absolutely. It's a very, it's, it, it, this work employment law it hits a lot of different buttons. So you get to, you get to sort of cover it all, being tough, being nurturing, yeah.
0: Well, this is probably too broad, broad a question too but what is the biggest problem that you see in discrimination out there today? type
1: of discrimination yes yes Um, i think age discrimination is a pandemic right for sure Um, we see a lot of pregnancy discrimination which always shocks me Um, and uh then i guess the rest of it is just sort of it's all kind of there i mean today with the with covid we're seeing you know a lot of discrimination against people with disabilities who were um, who were especially you know earlier last year when we didn't know as much as we know now that you know were afraid to go into the workplace because they had some underlying medical condition and they weren't getting um, treated fairly by their boss So that's been a big one discrimination against the Asian community. We're hearing about that a lot lately. It's happening at work, too. Um, You know, unfortunately, this was referred to early on as the Chinese plague or the Chinese virus. And, you know, it only takes a little bit of time before that becomes sort of a full blown war against the Asian community. So there's that going on. But all the other stuff, gender and sexual harassment. I mean, it's still there. It's still there. But it's so fascinating to me
0: because um, aging, I mean, I guess I get in here because I'm older, but it's supposed to bring wisdom. And and be able to have, I can bring more experience to it. So so to be putting people off of letting people go because they're at a certain age that has nothing to do with whether they're doing a good job or not.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, It's so short-sighted. It's so stereotypical. It's so wrong um you know i'm working with a client right now that is in his 60s he's worked for a company for over 40 years and they just went i don't know digital they're using an ipad now to to do certain of their sales and he got fired because they decided he's not going to be able to learn the ipad they made
0: that decision they decided that for him
1: decision for him they never asked him um, I think he's pretty capable of using an iPad or any other mechanism that they have, but it's, it's all based on a bias against, you know, you're, you hit this age and you're a dinosaur, you're a relic, you're slow, you should be home with your grandkids. These are all the things we've heard. You know, young is fresh and new and innovative and they just throw away the as you said the wisdom and the, the experience and the good judgment and all those things that come with someone who's been around longer it's it's really it's really harmful it's really it harmful.
0: Harmful. yeah it's very harmful and very you know this it's this disheartening so disheartening to it. And
1: and then it's you know when you're when you're in your 50s the statistics say especially a woman it's virtually impossible to get another job. I mean, you're pretty much done. In your 50s, In I your mean, 50s, <laughs> wow. That's
0: the time when you've really come to age and know a lot of things. Now, did you find, this is, it brings up a question, when someone's trying to find a job, if they feel they're being discriminated against because of their age, can, can anybody help them on that?
1: Yeah, I mean that's a you know failure to hire. That's what that would fall into. Okay. You know we've we've handled those cases before. You need to have, you know, you need to have some real evidence. Just not getting the job is not good enough. Not just right. you know I'm I'm so good. I've got this great resume and I didn't get the job. You'd need a little bit more, like maybe a comment that was said during the interview. Like, are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure you're up for it? some? Connection between you know your age, their view of you, and you're not getting the job. Of course, if they put like a teeny bopper in the role, that's going to be you know a helpful piece of evidence too. But yeah, there's there's um, the law protects. Um, uh, it's not just employees that are in the job. It's it's individuals who are trying to get the job too are protected.
0: Right. And if somebody were have a disability and were applying for a job, the same thing would apply. Would
1: yeah, absolutely. All the same protected categories are, are part of this. Yeah. So, you know, and then there's added protection for people who have a criminal background that's not supposed to prevent you from being interviewed for a job. It might come up on a background check. And if you don't get the job, the employer is gonna have the burden of explaining why would that, you know, criminal conviction, you're not right for the job.
0: Right. You know, right.
1: someone who's been convicted of a sex crime is probably not going to get a job working in a school. Right, right. Um, you know, but why they can't be in some other role is is a different story. So they the, the employer would have to show that with this conviction, they're not right for this particular job. So there is added protection. I mean...
0: Well, you, you've got a lot of experience, clearly. And and the pandemic has, well, what do you think is going to happen? That's uh, after when we are, quote, safe, if, they're, if we all feel well, any time we feel I'm hoping it safe. all
1: opens up again. I mean, you know, I live in New York City and it's been, you know, this is not a ghost town. The city has been pretty vibrant for the entire time. Um, yes, things are closed and and that's very sad to see, but my hope is that, we have a safer world, but with all of the beautiful, enjoyable things that that that, that existed before. Right. Uh, that's do, my hope. I mean,
0: do you think that some of what we're learning through this uh, pandemic, in terms of Zoom calls and such, can be used effectively? I mean, when you meet somebody or someone says I'm I, I'm having a problem, would they be the first time you meet them be on Zoom? Maybe yeah, in the future. Unfortunately,
1: I, yeah, unfortunately, yeah over the phone or on Zoom. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're not, yeah, I mean, that's sad. You know, the the personal connection w- was always very important to us, but I think this has shown that you can do it remotely. You can do a lot remotely.
0: It sounds like you'd like to go back to where you don't do it remotely, where I you would. meet the person. and ha- Well, you're gonna have to represent them, so you're gonna have to feel for who they are and are they really not just honest, but you know what the heart, their heart is like.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that it goes back to a more in person world. But I mean, so far, this has been, you know, we've been able to function this way. We right. did, we did an arbitration over Zoom in September, which bye, bye. I would have thought impossible a year ago, but it worked. Well, uh, that's that's we didn't good. Try that's a case good. for the jury over Zoom. But We'll see. Who knows what's coming down the pike?
0: Right. That's interesting to to wonder about and see how that that might work out. But we'll see. Anyway, we're getting close to the end of our little talk here. And I just want to make sure that we get some information in it. So if somebody who is currently listening to this or listening in the future to this would like to find out more about what you do or maybe have a need to talk to you about what's happening to them, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you?
1: The best way for them to get in touch with me is to send me an email. My email address is dperry, my first initial and last name, at sphlegal.com. That's probably the best way to reach me. Um, I encourage anybody who's interested in employment law to visit our website, which is sphlegal.com.
0: Okay. Well, that's wonderful, and I hope that they do because you have the loving heart to help people. And that's, that's, that's what we need today, more people to, be, to know that there are people like you out there in this time, even thank you. T- tightness. So thank you for being here and sh- sharing your information. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Thank you for, for having me.
0: I'm glad to have done it. And I thank my audience who listens to the Heart of Healing the Pandemic episodes. Thank you all for being here
1: with us.